This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, where we will help you learn to invest in 15 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm good, Bryce. How are you? Mate, can't complain. Footy finals. Yeah, yeah. At this stage, we will. this will get released on Sunday, so we will know who is playing in the prelim. Yeah, big. Yeah, so Sydney, big. Richmond, and uh, oh, Hawks, Collingwood, I'm guessing. Really? You reckon Melbourne are getting knocked out? Have I guessed that side of the... Yeah, I think I've got the draw right. Um, yeah, Melbourne, Hawthorne, that'll be so You reckon tight. Hawks will beat Melbourne? I think the Hawks will beat them, yeah. I reckon, I reckon Melbourne are that on the roll team at the moment. Yeah... It's you know just, how there's always one. It's just if the last three years are the Bulldogs win the granny, then Richmond, and then Melbourne. The AFL are just adequate storylines. Like the <laughs> it's th- a great storyline. No, but the three most hard done by teams win the flag in consecutive years. It's like what do they got to like? What's next? Mate, when the Bombers win next week, that's <laughs> it, when the next year. That's going to be a massive story. Yeah, true. It's like all the <laughs> Melbourne teams are, are back on their high horse. Yeah, no, it won't be Saints. That's for sure. Or. Oh, Carlton, no way. Collingwood would be big. Collingwood would be big. Mm-hmm. We're recording this after our Melbourne show, before our Sydney show, uh, and we are still in the first week of footy finals, so uh, we're making some forecasts, both about footy and about the Sydney show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, So I think, I think in this episode what we want to do is, uh, after our Melbourne show... There was, a, there was a theme to a lot of the questions, I guess we could say. Yeah. One that I guess we probably had when we started investing as well was a lot of the thought was around stock picking. Um, mm. And it, it, it is the sort of the most daunting thing when you get started. It, you, know, you sign up for your Comsec or your IG or whoever and you're faced with just a list of all these companies and their prices are moving up and down and there's all these ratios and there's all this information and you sort of just like, what, where do I go? Where, how do I start? What, what do I filter on to try and pick a stock? Yeah. And something that we tried to get through in our Melbourne show and we will be trying to get through in our Sydney show is that don't spend so much time and energy thinking about that. Forget about stock picking because that's not what is the most important, most important thing. Yeah, true. And it's a very stressful thing if you if you do it and <clears throat> can lo- lead to a lot of lost hard-earned money, um, especially as a beginner. A lot of lost confidence as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, all you have to do is look at the stats and see that 
the majority of the most professional money managers out there who dedicate their entire day and you know the majority of their life to trying to pick stocks that perform better than the average market return and statistically speaking most of them can't even do it so yes it's fun to certainly sit back and and try and pick stocks and and we're not saying at all by you know don't give it a crack at all but uh it i think the message is don't get so hung up on it as a beginner right at the start because there are much better ways of investing your money without having to try and as you said run workout ratios or discounted cash flow methods and all this sort of stuff yeah so i think it's i think it's something like 30 percent of fund managers beat the s&p 500 index over any three-year period so you know these are fund managers that are paid top dollar they're professionals they spend all their days trying to beat the market and it's something like 30 percent of them actually do over any three-year period so yeah and the um, likelihood of of us being in that 30 percent is yeah 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 so very small i guess what we want to do in this episode is reframe the thinking and talk about some of the things that you should think about when you're starting to uh, invest and when you you know you've signed up for that broker and you're looking at that screen and uh you know, they, these are things that you can look for that will help you sort of dip your toe in the water, make the right decision and get started mm-hmm. because we both enjoy picking stocks um, just for the sort of the learning experience and the, I guess the the love of the game. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, we both have, we both have experiences where we haven't picked so well. Um, yeah. For those who are new to the podcast, my my notorious uh, start to, <laughs> to investing was picking Slater and Gordon, the uh, the legal stock, mm. uh, which managed to lose over 99% of its value. Mm. Um, and I still hold it, but only because it's worth so little now that I can't, I can't cover the brokerage to sell it. <laughs> so, so it's just sitting Which is my... absolutely classy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's actually unbelievable. Um <laughs> But then, you know, at the same time, my second stock pick was, you know, something where I did really no no more or no less research. I was still just as naive and um, wet behind the ears, but was A2 milk and I got very lucky on that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, stock picking in that instance was great for me. I more than covered all my losses in Slater and Gordon, but to to say to you that there was any more thought behind it or... yeah. You know, I I just you know I got lucky. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a and it's you know from the days of you picking Slater and Gordon and and A two Milk and you know from the days of me buying Bellamy's, which is another story that we sort of go through in in the show. <clears throat> you know, we've both come to learn quite quickly that whilst yeah we we got lucky and you know afterpay has been good, but as a long term strategy, it's certainly one that is uh, much more risky. Uh, for you and I, who certainly don't spend all our days and and have spent the majority of our lives, you know, doing what fund managers do day in and day out, and so yeah, I think what are, what are some of the ways that we can make make the most of it? So to my mind, there's probably three things that should help you sort of frame how you think about uh, the way you invest. There's probably more things that you want to add, so just just chuck them in or yeah. Um, but the three for my mind are. Reducing the costs you can control, and that's mainly around fees. Yeah. Uh, the second one is about 
diversification um, and specifically uh, when you think about, because diversification is a big word, but when you think about it, it's about diversifying risk. So yep. I'll, I'll get into what I mean by that in a second. And then the third one is about asset allocation and about how much of your money you sort of put in the market generally and then how much you keep for individual stock picking. Yeah, nice. So maybe we start start at the beginning, uh, start with the thing that we always go on about here, which is around control what you can control um, and that is the fees that you pay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously the you know the immediate immediately obvious one is brokerage you, you want to minimize that because uh when you think about the brokerage that you pay you think of it as the money that you've instantly lost buying that company buying that share so say you are with uh nab trade and they tra- charge twenty dollars a share uh sorry twenty dollars a trade and you put a thousand dollars in when you spend that thousand dollars you've instantly lost twenty dollars on that trade and you need to make that twenty dollars up uh, just to get back to even the less you lose by entering a trade by paying less for brokerage or you know if you go with stake and you pay nothing for brokerage but uh, you lose a little bit on the exchange rate then uh, that's money that you have to make up just get to get back to even mm-hmm. and you need to look at it in terms of a percentage rather than a dollar figure so twenty dollars for brokerage you know, you need to look at it in terms of how much you're actually putting into the stock. So if you're investing $2,000, then that $20 is is 1%. So you need your stock to essentially go up more than 1%. Hopefully it does just for you to, to break even. But if you were, you know, at putting in 500 bucks, then, you know, as a percentage, you need your stock to go up significantly more just for you to make that $20 back. You didn't want to do that maths? Uh, what are we looking? Four percent. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Keeping keep <laughs> on your on. toes, mate. <laughs> Come on. So you need your stock to go up four um, <laughs> percent to to get your um, brokerage back, um, and it's something that I learned early on. Um, you know, something I didn't really consider, and then putting in small amounts. That twenty dollars adds up over time, and and you're putting in uh, quite a significant amount into brokerage. So finding stock brokers that um, you know give you access at a low cost is is also important um obviously there's a number of other things that you need to consider when finding a broken platform but cost should definitely be one of them yeah so that that's the first way to keep your cost down um and the second one is about the fees that you pay when you're in a trade so if you're you know simply if you're paying four percent brokerage on a trade you need to make that four percent back just to get back to even if you're paying 2% fees to a fund manager, then you need to make that 2% back just to get even with what you would in the broader market. And mm. I know that's a little bit confusing, but maybe if I use an example. So say um, the, the Australian market rises 6% and you could have accessed that at basically no cost um, by just getting in a no cost, a, a low cost ETF or just buying you know, just a broad basket of stocks. Um, but instead you go to a fund manager and you pay him 2%, then you would expect him to at least get that, you know, that plus more. So you'd expect him to at least get, you know, 8% returns um, yeah. to make up for his fee, his or her fees. When, when you're in a trade, when you're in a fund, even ETFs have fees. You just need to look at the amount of fees you're paying and uh, it's all about getting what you pay for because, mm. you know, some some investors are... Are worth every dollar, but obviously some aren't. 
yeah, seventy percent of them aren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing is, it's not like so that thirty percent over any three-year period. It's not like it's the same thirty percent of funds no, over no. any three-year period. And no. so, what what you see in this is completely off topic, but what you see in big money managers, you know, like superannuation funds and stuff, is that some of them chase performance. So, investor A is in that thirty percent over a three-year period. So then they, the, the super funds or whatever, shift money to investor A, thinking that that investor will continue to go well. But what happens is, as with everything in life, mean reversion happens. And so mm-hmm. investor A goes back into the pack and investor B is in that 30% over the next three-year period. But the superannuation fund took money from investor B and put it with investor A. So sometimes you see these big money managers chasing performance and in doing so, just getting stung by main reversion every time and missing out on the outsized performance. Mm. So be patient. You know, If you think an investor is a good investor and you like their strategy and they have a bad year or two, you know, sometimes that means they're just on the cusp of doing something great. Yeah. Now back on topic, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we need to move on. So yes. we've now got... Uh, so cost is something to consider. And now the next thing uh, to consider is diversify or how you can diversification um, in within the trades that you're doing ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue nile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So this is obviously about, in some degree, um, risk, you know, limiting your risk by spreading across a number of, uh, well, it sort of goes into the next one as well in sort of allocation, but... uh, you know, diversifying can happen in a number of ways, uh, be it through ETFs, listed investment companies, um, or by investing in a number of different industries. So I think, but I think the important thing to think about here, because when people think about diversification, it's a, it's a big idea and there's a lot of things under it. But the way I think about it, and I think it makes it easier, is you want to diversify diversify your sources of risk. So... If you're if you get in an ETF, um, a listed investment company, you get in a fund that is managed, uh, and then you also get in a bunch of companies, but all of those things are invested in you know large Australian companies. Then you yeah, haven't done same stuff. Then you 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 might be technically diversified in terms of you're holding lots of different assets, but really your 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 risk sources are all the same. You're exposed yeah. to you know the the Australian economy slowing down. You're exposed to uh, sh- shocks in the Australian share market, and you're particularly exposed to shocks in the large Australian companies and the large Australian banks, especially. Yeah. So yeah. what 
the the way that I think about diversification is you want to diversify your sources of risk. So if something goes wrong in, say, the Australian market, the American market, the bond market, the you know the foreign exchange market, that you, not all your investments will be impacted, or at least some will be positively impacted and others will be negatively impacted. Mm-hmm. So that means being uh, the main thing is being across different asset classes and uh, sorry different markets. Uh, yeah, asset classes and to an extent industries, but you don't want a single you don't want like a single source of failure. You don't want like the American energy market to tank and for all of your investments to hurt. You want yeah you know something to be invested in. You know, Indian. I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so a practical example would be you know if you look at um, some of the things in my portfolio, you've got. Brickworks, which is a listed in listed investment company on the ASX, uh, and they you know specialize uh, in financial in financial companies to some degree. Uh, so that's giving me exposure to that. And then uh, on the flip side, I've got ETFs that um, are directly exposed to the Nasdaq 100, uh, the you know the index in uh, or the sort of stock market in in the US. So completely removed from Australian financials. I've got uh, an oil ETF, crude oil, that literally just follows the price of crude oil. Um, and then, you know, you've got some direct stocks as well. So uh, among other things, but that's just a, an idea or an example, Ren, of what you're saying is the sources of, of those are, are all completely different in some way, maybe correlated, but not directly. It's not like I'm exposed in all of them to the NASDAQ 100, for example. Yeah, yeah. And and when you think so, you know, your your oil ETF might be affected by war in the Middle East and your NASDAQ ETF might be affected by, you know, China getting supremacy in artificial intelligence. But yeah. those two things probably aren't related. You know, the price of oil probably isn't going to tank by China uh, developing the world's best AI. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you just, yeah, you think think about what the risks are in the world and then you make sure that all your stocks aren't going to fall because of it. Yeah. Because of one, yeah. So we've looked at costs, we've looked at diversifying your risk source, and now I guess the big question is allocation. Yes. So we're looking here. We're gonna we're talking about. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ren. Is uh, you know what we should be allocating into stocks, and and also then in my mind, um, in in terms of weighting, and also I want to touch on consistency of allocation as well. Yeah. So I think for in terms of what this this uh the theme of this episode is which is forget about stock picking uh, the the main point that i want to make is that uh when you're allocating money into stocks if you're young most of it should be in stocks you know at least sort of 75 percent, i would say at a minimum should be in stocks i don't know if you agree with that well let's just unpack that so you're saying if you've got if you've saved and saved and saved and you've got to a point where you want to put money in stocks, <clears throat> you're saying that you think 75% of that total pool of savings should be in stocks? I think if you're under 30, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think even if, you, you know, if you're freaking out that the whole market's going to collapse tomorrow, I think if you have the temperament to hold through, I think, yeah. yeah. Well, I just want to put a caveat on that. You should only have 75% of your total set pool of savings in stocks if... If you, if you know that you're not going to need to draw on it in case of major emergency or anything like oh, that. Oh, okay. Like, so, like I think- so everyone, everything that we say here should be caveated on 
you're invest you invest you, what you've saved to invest. It yeah. shouldn't be what you're trying to spend on a house in the next two years, and it shouldn't yeah. be your rainy day fund, and no. it shouldn't be what you need to pay rent. Like no. this is all the money that is you've set aside for investing that you're not going to yeah. need to draw on. Yeah, yes, so that's for everything that we've discussed on every episode. I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Need to caveat that because yeah. you don't want we don't want anyone <laughs> putting in their emergency dentist fund. No, no, to no, the no, no. <laughs> yeah. But but I guess what my point was going to be was when you think about the money that you're putting into stocks, understand that you're probably not going to be able to beat the market with your stock picking and put the bulk of it just in a variety of you know vanilla low fee. Uh, diversified funds whether that is you know like the asx um the s&p 500 in america uh, maybe even some emerging markets or just some global funds that just get a a broad market return every year and that don't Mm. cost a lot and Mm. then have a sort of discretionary pot of money that then you can use to pick stocks Uh, i think in terms of putting stock picking out of your mind and just getting in the market i think that should be your focus. Um, and then as you get more confident um, and hopefully as you grow that discretionary pot, uh, it means you can do some more stock picking. But I think that that's sort of the important takeaway in terms of allocating your assets. Don't think that you need to put all the money that you're putting into the stock market into individual stocks that you pick yourself. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And there's definitely a piece around being consistent with it as well. You know, um, we speak about dollar cost averaging and uh, as you said, Ren, especially for people our age, younger in the market, the long-term benefits of uh, averaging your way into stocks is um, is quite profound. <clears throat> it certainly minimizes your risk. Um, and I think one of the best ways that you can do that um, is, through a, is through a Vanguard ETF. Uh, for those of the, you that haven't heard of Vanguard, they're a major global provider of ETFs and managed funds, and you can access them as a retail investor off market. Just go to their website and sign up. You, you do need a minimum of five thousand dollars, but the beauty of it is that you can you can be pay minimum of a hundred dollars into this into these stocks. Uh, sorry, into these funds over time, and if you just set that up as a, a weekly, a monthly, fortnightly recurring payment. Um, then the value of that, you know, we talk about compounding, we talk about consistency, dollar cost averaging, and they also pay dividends that are reinvested. So it sort of combines everything into one that we sort of discuss. Uh, so I would encourage everyone to have a look at that. So it's a great vehicle, but um, yeah, certainly consistency. And if, if you don't want to pay brokerage, you know, consistently, um, then certainly consistency in saving um, to invest, I think is also important. Yeah, Definitely. It, it just made me think our very first piece of, I guess, hate mail came because we we suggested that people shouldn't try and beat the market with their own stock picking 100% of the time. So, yeah. I can't remember who wrote it and we probably wouldn't want to call That's them right, up anyway. Gonna, no. But uh, who, if you're listening and you recognize that uh, you sent that hate mail in, uh, it was very nicely say, handwritten. Hate. I wouldn't say hate mail, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Feedback, Dis- disparaging, yeah, <laughs> negative feedback. Um, I, I'm still think that you know you, according to you, you beat the market this year, but I still think <laughs> over the longest period of time, uh, you know, back testing, smarter people than us, some of the best investment minds in the world, um, have shown that 
it's a very small subset of people that can beat the market consistently and you if you just get market returns just the vanilla market returns over a long period of time you will do very well for yourself so the 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 most important thing when it comes to compounding is not having those massive down years because that just kills any momentum you have in compounding and the quickest way to kill that momentum is to uh, try and pick your own stocks and uh, pick incorrectly. So has this changed the way that, well, how are you investing right now then to that reflects this So very, very briefly? So similar to what we were saying, more than half of my money in stocks is in a variety of funds and ETFs and um, just getting market returns. And then just because I, not because I think I'll beat the market, but because I enjoy the the exercise of doing it and learning and, you know, sometimes I get lucky like with A2 Milk, um, there's a bunch, well, there's a, my discretionary pot of money that I pick stocks with. Yeah, nice. Cool. Yeah. Same with you or? Yeah, well, you know that I'm a bit more heavy in cash yeah, than, you, than you are, um, which is something I'm certainly reconsidering the more that we discuss this sort of stuff. Uh, you know, the more I think about the the longer term horizon, but then also, you know, I've been thinking about my strategy of being in in not all cash, but a, a fair chunk of cash for quite a while now. Um, so I'm so certainly going to sort of continue that approach. But of what I am invested in, a majority of it is in sort of listed investment companies and that sort of stuff. I own, I think I only own about two or three individual stocks now, and <clears throat> you know, I've got the Vanguard thing ticking along and that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, I think definitely in line with it, with uh, what we've been discussing. But yeah, it's an interesting time for me because, yeah, as you know, a lot of a lot of cash. But considering now, if that's the best move, yeah, keep, keep you posted. Yeah, but look, you know that as soon as soon as you go back into the market, that's when things will go wrong. So uh, just give us a heads up before you get back in the market, so I can sell out. <laughs> Uh, all right, Ren. Well, well, that was that was a good one. So we we covered costs, diversifying, and and allocation. And as you said, it sort of all stemmed from, you know, the the general feel and and questions that we were receiving from our Melbourne and and I would imagine by this time Sydney shows. And if there's anything that does come up on in the Sydney show that uh, is worth addressing, um, for those that weren't there, we'll certainly um, do that in a follow up as well. But um, yeah, costs, diversify, and uh, check your allocation. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if all of this was confusing, I guess the most important thing is don't get hung up on picking stocks. Just start. Just just start. Just You can't do worse than me. I lost over 99% of my money on my first investment. I guarantee you, you won't do worse than me. Well, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a very slim chance that you will. <laughs> all right, Ren. Well, uh, until next week. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation.